Welcome to the Disrupting Wellbeing podcast with Petra and Perks. This podcast is simple. We want to go beyond bubble bath wellbeing and think deeply about the world we live in and what it really takes to thrive. This includes things like activism at work, challenging the cult in culture, and of course, having brave conversations that lead the way in building a future of work that we want to be part of, including making benefits inclusive for all. So let's dive into our next episode. Today's guest is none other than Perks founder and CEO, uh, who is also partnering with me on the Disrupting Wellbeing podcast. So, I mean, you're an all-around disruptor, so it was a no-brainer to get this conversation started with you, Stella Smith. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Petra. It's very exciting to be here, and I'm excited for what the the podcast uh, has to come. Absolutely. Uh, Now, I know in both of our respective fields, we're really trying to change the conversation from that kind of bubble bath well-being where it's all about self-care and sitting back and kind of throw in how ambition can go along with well-being, performance goes along with well-being, and really just enjoying the journey and living uh, good lives and doing good work. So to kick off this conversation, I'd love to ask you, what drives you to want to change your part of the world? And you've got big ambitions, so tell us a little bit about them. That's very true. I do have big ambitions. And I think a lot of our conversations that we've had ahead of this podcast have been, you know, how does well-being fit into that? But but a direct answer to your question is what do I, what do I think drives me? I think um, I think that I like solving. So um, I think my, probably my key thing that drives me is not something I always want to take on board, but I like to solve. So if you put a little problem in front of me or you stack some things up, then I like to reorder them or find a new way to build them. And I think probably, you know, we, we've actually had this conversation privately, nurture versus nature and everything else. But I think there's a nature in me to want to solve. Um, and, and I think that that's probably how else do you justify that you want to work over the top hours and uh, do everything else? So, so I think that the power to solve. You're so passion driven, like everything you talk about and build is, I guess, from that core place to to solve. Um, let us know what what's the problem you're solving at the moment? Yeah, of course. Um, well, at, at the moment I've, I've landed into this one, but it seems to be doing well. So um, ultimately, um, Perks solves the fact that well-being isn't accessible to everybody. And really, I had a problem myself. I had a number of small businesses and I was given a lot of good stuff. You know, I, I think my, my career was a, a, a decent career and I was given lots of benefits and things to look after me as a, as a worker. Um, and I had a number of small businesses with uh, with a lot of self-employed workers or contract workers. And I tried to get all the good stuff that I was given when I worked as an investment banker and get it for them. And I couldn't. So I built it. And that's what Perks is. Um, basically, it's a platform that enables an individual or workers in a smaller business, so SME business owners, to be able to give benefits to their workers. And that I, I can make it sound far more exciting than it is but fundamentally it's four pounds fifty you get 24 7 doctors counselors virtual physio discounted gyms a whole load of other stuff other kind of things you get in a big organization but you can have it if you're anybody so it's all about trying to democratize access to the things that i think are important in terms of taking care of people I mean, you've had nine lives, it seems, just as the part, the, the sort of careers that you've had, you sure. know, in financial services, um, uh, in entrepreneurship, right? L- lots of kind of high risk uh, environments in a way for burnout and, and kind of falling apart. And sure. so I love that you've kind of translated some of that experience into like, well, how do we make this 
actually work? And I guess that's why we wanted to kick off the podcast was like, how do we make well-being really normalized and something that's just easy as part of business, as part of our lifestyle in a post-pandemic world when everyone's sort of still experiencing, I guess, survival mode and kind of figuring out how to fit this into their lives. Um, so I love what you're doing. So I always like to start a, a conversation by going into some of the roots of, you say nature versus nurture, like what is the things that make us, what drives us? And, and I think we both have a bit of a story, but specifically our family dynamics, I think, and our, and our culture growing up, whatever that looks like, education, whatever that was like, I think that affects how we are in cultures, right? It's like, what were the roles that we played? So I'm curious, what are the bits that you can tell us and, and myself and the listeners about the role you played as a, as a kid? Yeah, um, I think, um, you know, there's an amazing woman called Vivian Ming and she talked about, you know, the things that we get and she talked about resilience. And I think some of my childhood gave me resilience. So I think that's that's what my childhood gave me. So, um, you know, my parents were divorced. Unfortunately, my mum my had cancer and uh, I grew up with my uh, father and he wasn't necessarily, didn't know the the, the, the ways to look after uh, children in terms of feeding them and things. But, but I had the most amazing parents and um, I spent a lot of time on my own. Um, I spent a lot of time um, looking after my younger brother. Um, so from the age of kind of 11 onwards, I looked after my uh, eight-year-old brother and, uh, you know, I learned to cook and to clean and to, you know, have to earn money um, at a very early age, left, left home at 16, um, but, but was probably self-sufficient even ahead of then. So I think that childhood, um, my, my, my whole life feels like a fairy tale, Petra. You know, there's a... I still have that moment where I stand there day to day now and I'm like, how did I end up here? Uh, you know, from, from a different beginning. And um, it's amazing. And, and if you reflect on it even just for two or three seconds, it makes me happy. Um, and, and I feel happy about that. But, you know, I mean, what, if you had to pick out one thing that your childhood gave you that, that, that made you now, what would you pick? Ooh. One thing. I mean, I think like you, I love that that kind of phrasing of like, my childhood made me resilient. It's a real like, <laughs> ooh, we can kind of figure out a few things there, right? About the bumpy ride that often gives us resilience, but also it's like it gives us a superpower in running our own Agreed. businesses and um, being able to handle risk, right? Um, but but of course, there's a shadow side of, of growing up before our time in a way and needing to be um, the grown up in a way early on, th those sorts of things. Now, um, people who follow me know a bit about my story, right? I was born in an extreme religious cult, um, which on, on the one hand, people don't realize that there were some good bits, like there was a real strong sense of mission. There was a sense of community. There was this idea that people had your back. Of course, it was later on that I realized that it was as long as you agreed with the party line, then people had your back, right? And yeah. I, this is what I see in workplaces and, and why this topic matters to me is because I'm seeing similarities between the toxicity I, I realized that existed in cult life uh, and the toxicity I'm seeing in many corporates, even the ones who have benefits, but they're a bit shrouded in secrecy. There's loads of stigma. Perhaps people aren't um, accessing them th themselves when they actually need them from a prevention standpoint rather than, than later on. Um, but what was the one thing? I was a shy kid. I was Are a you? kid who, yeah, 
I okay. know how funny that, right? Yeah. So I'm one of five siblings, step family, blended family. You know, my dad's African American. You know, I'm I'm blonde. My siblings are brunettes. Like we're just all the colors of of the rainbows. Um, and I was an observer. And and interesting at the time, I was shy. I, I stayed beneath the radar because to go above it was to risk being punished or called out or shamed. And and I wasn't sort of able to do that. I wasn't brave. You know. Um, but what I did learn, the superpower it gave me was observing human behavior, right? Yeah. And so being able long before I had language around this, being able to kind of notice like, oh, this bit, um, you know, uh, is dangerous. This bit is healthy. This person is, um, you know, risky. This person is safe. You know, these sorts of things, which now quite early on, C-suite level, exec level, right yeah. through to any levels. I'm like, yeah, I got this. I can see it because now I've got la language uh, around it. So lots, of, lots in both of our stories. I think that that, that influences yeah. us today. And of course, for me, I spiraled at one point once I left into depression, anxiety, addiction, and had to kind of teach myself first in order to then qualify as a therapist, develop my own business, and and kind of message. Um, off the off the back of it, but it's deeply personal. Yeah, uh, for, I mean, for I me think whose journey whose journey is not deeply personal, um, you know. And I think all the things, you know, I mean, it's not just our family lives; it's our early careers. And you know, I think my, mine was about being resourceful and uh, making money. Um, you know, I'm, I've always been good at making money, no matter whether it's a paper round or. You know, for example, I sold plugs at school. You know, the you know bath plugs. Um, oh, really? Well, well, I was the cool kid. There was in a school. market for I this. Mean, yeah. Well, I made a market. Um, the, I see. Um, you, you know the you know like a bath plug. Yeah. I, I took them off and I spray painted them and I put a piece of uh, string through them. And because I was the coolest kid in school, I, I, um, I, I, and I wore a plug. Everyone wanted a plug, so I was buying them at twenty p and selling them. <laughs> At a, at, a, at a profit but that you know that paid for food and things that I needed so I think I've learned to be resourceful as 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 well in terms of having to make something out of nothing and I guess that gives you the power to build or the power to sit there in a room with nothing in it and then make something happen and that's quite a that's an interesting place to sit isn't it well I'm never bored that, that, that's helpful. Well, well, no, and it's it's making me think of some of the bits that I wrote in my book was like there there seems to be this separation sometimes between ambition and success on the one hand and well-being and self-care over here, sort of outside of the workplace or in your downtime or when you're you're falling apart. That's when we then think of those elements. And I guess for me, it's like, can they coexist? you know, we're both ambitious, passionate business owners. And we know there's sleepless nights that come with that or you know, you're burning the midnight oil or, or or whatever. And yet we also can invest in our well-being, our relationships. I don't know. What's your thoughts on just those things coexisting? I think this is probably one of the reasons I'm even sitting here on the podcast, because I think the way you talk about well-being, you know, I, I had you know, you're one of the characters that has challenged my thinking on that. I feel well when I've done my 20 emails of an evening. Mm. That makes me feel great. And um, I do like a hot bubble bath as well. So I'm not, I'm not denying that. But yeah. sometimes, I don't know, with, with, with my head and the way I operate as an individual, the doing, the taking action is 
is the thing that soothes or is the thing that makes me feel great. So in the same way that some people go to the gym, um, you know, my ex-wife, for example, she runs and she is not normal um, in terms of how she behaves. Uh, she's not <laughs> in line with how she normally behaves if she doesn't go four times a week. She loves running, right? right? And I assume that's to do with the chemical uh, reaction that you have when you run and it releases uh, certain chemicals. I think I get the same from doing things in my work and so you know I I, I I I think it can coexist and my one example of that and look maybe this is uh, contentious I suppose but the I I went to have my stress hormones checked and I always mm. said to everybody I don't feel stressed I don't feel stressed and everyone says no you're burnout you've been I'm like yeah but I've been doing it for 20 however you know 25 or too many years now I've got lots of yeah, a, lot. Um, a lot of years and um I went and had my uh show, and I hadn't slept for three days beforehand you know I'd had only eight hours sleep and uh, they checked my stress hormone I think the top of the range is like four five six and I was 102 um so you know genuinely I think that I've managed to shape my working life so that I enjoy it and it feels even though I know it wouldn't to the outside world it would feel like and there are huge amounts of pressure and things like that, but I, I I wouldn't want it any other way. And and so as long as I can take care of myself physically and mentally within that, and I do little things, you know. So I think they can. I, I think for me, ambition is something that. Well, first of all, I'm not sure that I have it. I mean, that's a self-deprecating thing, but you know, I, I think you, that... you do. I know you. You definitely okay. have ambition, okay. and you have a drive to create change in the world, but also, like yeah. you said, to to make money, to to leave a legacy. Like I see all yeah. of those components in you. Yeah, and I think so. So I think we're. It's a space where I believe if it doesn't exist, I wish it would, because I think that having well-being in a manner that suits the individual and being able to be successful, have ambition and do all of those things and have well-being work alongside that, complement that, be part of that, being inherently part of that is really important. And um, yeah, I'd wish that for everybody if I could. And you said something so important, which I see all the time in businesses. It's not this formula about the amount of hours that you work because everybody is different. So there's almost this shaming of like, oh, you worked overtime. Oh, my goodness. You took your laptop on holiday. Right. Uh, and this is, I guess, the, what we want to focus on in the Disrupting Wellbeing podcast is to yeah. um, just real talk and not be as politically correct and just think everybody is is different and needs different things. Um, but that element of success actually can coexist, right? There Agreed. are small things that, that we can do. And for me, disrupting well-being is also about the influences that I see affecting people. It's about, um, are your goals aligned with what you do? So me and you both have fun when we're working, yes. right? So we're experiencing joy. We're not going, oh, I have to experience joy afterwards to top up for this like horribleness that some people experience. We're actually like, oh my God, I get, I'm so lucky that I get to have a conversation as part of work, or I get to meet really interesting people, right? Yeah. Um, or, or do really interesting projects. Every day is different, you know, all those pieces. And so it's less about the hours and more about alignment, I think, with your flow, your skills, your, your, your kind of um, joy. Um, and then the thing about influences, I, I was doing a keynote not long ago, Q&A at the end. And, yeah. uh, you know, um, this woman stands up. She must be in her 20s, right? And she says, Petra, I've got this question. She goes, I'm doing everything they tell me to do. 
who's they, but whatever. Um, I'm having a cold shower in the morning. I'm waking up at five. I'm journaling. I'm meditating. I'm working out. Like she listed maybe 12 things that she was doing before the working day started at nine. Wow. Right? And then she said, and then she said, but I'm more anxious than I've ever been. (laughs) And I was a bit like, well, no wonder. Yeah. Um, so, so it's, but she was technically, according to Instagram and TikTok, doing everything right, right? There's okay. all this science, there's all these influencers saying, you know, cold shower, you know, the three things that you do first thing in the morning. And she was doing them and it was stressing her out as if she wasn't getting well being done right. Yeah. I don't know. What are your thoughts on just the influences that, that, that people are, are experiencing affecting their well being? Well, I think, look, you're talking to someone who sits in a room often. <laughs> And doesn't leave so you're not you know, taking cold showers like, at 4am yeah. no I like hot <laughs> bars with candles and chocolate and yeah. you know I mean I think well-being my soul for perks the hardest thing to solve for perks was how on earth do I build one platform that improves well-being for everybody yet we're all so different so you know whether that be age whether that be uh, where we live whether that be culture. how much money we own culture how on earth do you get one platform that slices through everything? And so it was like I'm answering this in a, in a long winded way and not as a sales piece for perks, but more in the sense that when I look to just like the lady you spoke about, when I look to try and find the reference points for, you know, I don't believe anyone's good at strategy. I believe if we map data and fact, then strategy becomes clear. So I wanted a data point, a reference point to say, right, I can tick well-being for everybody. and there were so many. There were happiness indexes. I could have looked at household debt for financial well-being. There were like yeah, all these different things. And my grandmother used to give me the dictionary to read when I was a kid. Um, and the dictionary yeah, that makes a lot of st- well, sense. Well, yeah, yeah. She also gave me the Maastricht <laughs> Treaty to read when I, I was, you know, in my in my late teens. Which yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> hey, I'm really good at reading through a legal document these days. Yes. Like we said, nurture. You know, um, but the but, but, but the dictionary definition of well-being is the state of being happy, healthy or comfortable. And what we can work out for everybody is the determinants of human happiness, the determinants of humans being more healthy and the determinants of humans being more comfortable. And at Perks, we break it down into five areas. And actually, that rings true for me personally. So it's your health, your physical and mental health, your wealth, your financial well-being. There's lots of financial stress. Um, social interaction and family. I mean, you, you spoke about your teenagers just waking up this morning. You know, yeah. our families mean a lot to us, my, my daughter. Um, and, and then learning, you know, or, or engaging or ambition and all of those things. And I think that there's a, I think that with all the influences that are out there, it, for, for me, it's about selecting the things that work for me. You know, genuinely chocolate works for me I get I I watched Willy Wonka as a child and I peel back the thing as if it's the Wonka bar and then it goes in your mouth and it feels Uh, good right and I love hot bars I like walking um you know I try and make sure I take time for a walk but I also like winning um I also like doing my job I also like I mean I'm never going to be at the end of the to-do list but if I accomplish 20% of it I feel like I'm having a great day and and that makes me feel just as good as peeling back that chocolate and taking a bite and and so I think there is a lot of influence I think there's a lot of undue pressure um on people to follow suit and I think trying to find the individuality in that is key 
Yeah. So it's learning to listen to your own body because your well-being practices can evolve over time. Okay. And I love that you're offering so many varied offers, right, as part of your solution, because it is then about the individual going, hmm, I need to talk about this with, yeah. with a professional, or there are some self-help kind of elements that I can do, right? But it almost gives people, people need the permission to go, oh, you don't have to do everything, right? And we're even talking about the good influences, right? Not yeah. to mention technology and the negative influences around comparing and, and the elements that are affecting our, our young people's mental health. Yeah. So, so a lot there. Now you talked about the definition of well-being, and it really does mirror the definition of mental health. So if we think about like okay. the mental health crisis a little bit, you know, the World Health Organization defines uh, mental health as a state of well-being. So to use your definition, okay. um, where we can cope with the normal stresses of life, where we can give back to our community and where we can be productive and fruitful. I'm kind of mashing it up, but those are the kind of principal elements within it. And so when we talk about and I come from the mental health lens, right, it, people forget that there's this crossover. And so that mental health is about all of us. And it's about being productive, to your point. When I get those 20 emails done, when I feel like I'm winning and achieving, like that boosts your mental health, right? And of course, success can mean different things to, to different people. Uh, let's just go into the mental health element a little bit. Like, yeah. what, what are you seeing when it comes to that? I guess crisis is the word that lots of people are, are kind of throwing about. And, and I can dive in as well. Yeah, of course. I mean, look, the... Um... I think that there is clear that the access, so your views on mental health are far more, well, you, you have an understanding by virtue of what you've learned and your experience and, and your, 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 your career. Um, Absolutely. I've fallen into it. Um, and so my understanding of mental health is, is far less. What, what I do know is the bit that I see which is that I don't believe there's a level playing field for access to support. And that's what my role is in doing what I do day to day. And I think with the crisis, the bits that I see where I'm interviewed on television or, or, or the like, where I'm always questioned is around waiting times, access to things, that yeah. even if you have identified that there's a need for help, the inability to get access to them. But what are your, I mean, what are your views? Your views are far more interesting on this, given how close you are to the subject. Well, well, I think you're right. I think we're, we're seeing similar things that okay. um, there's the, the crisis piece is not having access to support, but also a lack of real education or an ability to assess where we're at. And still we have shame and stigma, right? So I'm not going to say, oh, I'm having some dark thoughts to a friend, perhaps, because you're like, oh, they might judge me or I don't want to admit to myself that perhaps this is a problem. So and this is where we're seeing the burnout so much at the moment is like okay. we're in survival mode. Many people have been through a lot during a stretched out period of the pandemic times. And um, that stress has been stacking in their body uh, and they haven't perhaps released it in ways that are healthy, which could be okay. movement, bubble baths, you know, but also talking, whatever. So when we ignore it, this is the this is the thing that makes it worse for everyone. When we ignore it and we wear stronger and stronger masks and armor to pretend like we're good, it stacks up, it stacks up. And then, you know, the, the cracks begin to show, whether it's through 
drinking too much, whether our relationships start to suffer, whether our work starts to suffer, whatever it might be, or our physical health starts to suffer. People forget that mental health, like our brain is attached to our body, right? Right. And so looking after our physical health can can improve mental health. And I do think in a world of um, screens, right? Everything is staring and it's also sitting, right? And you have to be a lot more conscious about, okay, I'm going to go for that walk. Or you make me want to sit up meetings. more uh, comfortably <laughs> in my chair now. <laughs> like with my team, I'm like, do we have to be at a screen? Is anyone sharing anything? If not, let's get on headphones. We're in different countries, right? Let's get on headphones and meet and walk and talk and meet and we can do notes on our phone or whatever it might be. So like, it feels like we have to consciously be more creative. But I guess the essence is if you ignore things and you don't do the prevention stuff, which you guys are supporting people to focus on, it ends up stacking to a point of crisis. Now you don't get support and then it continues to get worse. Do you know what my one learning was? Um, In COVID, I was really poorly. I lost my grandmother to COVID and uh, it was was before her time and I didn't get to say goodbye, all the typical COVID story. Um, Mm. Yeah, well... uh, a lot of people I think went through that. I mean, we forget that just a few years ago we were locked in our houses, right? And now we're thriving and doing all the things that we're doing, but we were all locked inside, not knowing if the world would end, right? I mean, that, that's it. And I, I was I was actually just walking down the road in Covent Garden and I thought, this is so odd, but that was not that long ago, but yeah, it's ago. as if it never happened. And, but of course there's a cost in that. Anyway, I, I digress. The, um, my point with the, my, my, my losing my grandmother, I then got COVID really badly and I ended up with pneumonia three times over. So I couldn't breathe. So I was really paranoid about COVID. So I wore my mask long after everybody else took the mask off. You know, I was one of the, I was a diehard Mask you, you were affected so personally. I was. Yeah. Um, and, and look, it's a, it's a small thing. It didn't change my life. I was still functioning as an adult, doing my work and doing all the things I do. But I sat there one day and I've used the Perks Doctor like 13 times with my daughter, darling. And so I know, there's a, a general health conscious thing in there somewhere. That's probably that nurture nature conversation. But anyway, I, sure. I decided whilst I was sitting there to call the Perks counsellor. Now, I would never have called a counsellor, right? And I, I appreciate that's right or wrong and, and everything else, it's honest. It's what it is. Um, mm. and, and, you know, I own a business that delivers mental health, but I had I had never used a counsellor before because my situation wasn't so dire that I felt it was negatively impacting my life in a way that I needed to reach out for help. Now, I called that number. It's, you know, and I they gave me three little exercises and they were small. They basically said, Stella, you're solving for worst case scenario, but you're not thinking about best case scenario. And you're definitely not thinking about most likely case scenario. And then they gave me a little exercise to look out the window and do something. Do you know what? The mask came off within a week. Now, I'm sure counselling isn't like that in general. This, but, but what I thought was nice about that is my situation wasn't dire. It wasn't mm. horrendous. I was functioning perfect. Norm. But a little bit of help in a positive way to a scenario that wasn't actually an issue. There was no big issue. I just but it was an I issue just looked for like you. a you know bit of a, a different person <laughs> wearing a mask when nobody else did. But that was okay with me because I'm quite happy wearing that. But what what I guess my my point on it is that in a backdrop of a mental health crisis, I probably didn't feel that it was valid for me to reach out because my problem wasn't that bad. And I think that alongside there being a crisis, if there is a crisis and there are giant waiting lists and 
it is expensive to find help in a lot of ways, then if there is a way that you can actually bring that into the resilience building, tackling a problem before it gets to crisis point, you know, that would be amazing, I think. Yeah, well, I'm... This is so relatable because whether it's wearing a mask or whatever it might be, like everyone is going through stuff, right? Whatever you, whatever that might be, real life stuff. And so no one is immune from our mental health taking a hit, right? Um, And and noticing early on, but I think what, what you said, like so many people can relate to like, oh, other people have it worse than me, or I'm not that bad. I should, famous words, right? Yeah. Um, I should be able to buck up, deal with it, you know, um, stiff upper lip, whatever it might be that kind of influences people. And your experience, like people think, oh, if I go to counseling, I'm gonna have to stay there for a year, or I'm gonna have to go deep into all this stuff. Sometimes it's just practical mindset yeah. Stuff that maybe you didn't know because you weren't, you haven't immersed yourself in the learning around it, right? And Definitely. then immediately it was, it was useful. Yeah, and I mean, look, well, that goes to a question I've got for you, which is, um, look, we're doing this podcast. It's uh, very Petra and a little bit Perks, and um, there's a reason that we're doing this. And I know we've talked many times, but we probably haven't articulated it. What? what why are you doing the podcast? I, I know why I want a dose of Petra um, to have conversations like that. But but why why are we doing this and what do we think we're going to achieve? Because clearly we're going to pay a bit of money to put a podcast out there. Um, what do we think we can bring? And I guess it would be nice to hear from you what you think. Yeah, yeah. So I'm so I love podcasting mostly because I love the ability to have deep conversations with people. And I know we've got some amazing guests lined up, thought leaders, uh, people from all yeah. different walks of life, right? And, and I'm just really um, excited to go a little bit deeper than when I go to well-being conferences, I hear about, you know, all the things they're doing well, right? So it's like, hey, we, we piloted this thing and here were all the amazing things that we achieved, right? And everyone's in the PR version of well-being, right? Which is like, we've got this right. And they're talking about like a microcosm of their business or about something they tried. They're not talking about well, what were the struggles with it? What's not going well? Like, where where are we um, getting it wrong and how are we learning? And I think whenever I speak to audiences in those events, that's the bit they want to know. They want to know that they're not alone in like the struggle and like, um, you know, what that we're in a new world, right? Where where we're in this hybrid world and, and I, it, it cracks me up when businesses are like, we've got this perfect hybrid policy, come in for two days and or come in for three or whatever the policy is to create some kind of illusion of safety for their people to make them be the most productive they can be. And I think it's an illusion because we are all making this up as we go along. And so I want us to, to leaders and managers and, and thought leaders to kind of disrupt that a little bit and think, actually, let's embrace the experiment, right? Let's embrace it openly and talk about where are the struggles and the difficulties, because I actually think the whole world of work and how we're thinking about well-being needs to evolve a lot quicker than it is to match the way the world is evolving. If we think of AI, if we think of the the way the world of work is moving in such a fast direction, and we're still putting on, you know, little talks to tell people stories and, you know, just doing things that I don't think are disruptive enough. So I want to bring some of that, bring some edge with you. And and also with our amazing guests, kind of go beneath the surface of like the shiny PR well-being, right? And, and, yeah. and go a little bit deeper. And do you think that there's a common denominator that we don't always do as we're told? Because it's a, 
you will have a challenging conversation about mental health. You, you also in your company, it doesn't feel. I feel more comfortable to be able to have a conversation without worrying that I'm going to say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing. It's okay to have ask a challenging question, even if it's not framed in perfectly the right way. Um, yeah. So in that way, part of my reason for picking to do the podcast with you is that I think you come across as brave enough to have those more challenging conversations. And well, I know some of the guests that we've got coming up, so I know, I know. there'll be some interesting ones, but you know, w- would you, would you say the same? Why, why did you pick Kirks to work with? So you guys are disruptive. You as a personality and then your team and what you're trying to build is is ambitious. It's broad. And you guys are learning all the time, which I love as well. Like you're always adding new things. I know you're in different countries. You're, you, you've got a whole international reach and big plans. And also you are like me. You're not tied to... Um, a business where you have to toe the party line, right? You you are the business. And so that gives us both this element of freedom to objectively kind of assess things from the outside a little bit and what we're seeing across the board. And we have that freedom as owners of our business to say the things, right? And to challenge other people to say the things. And um, that's where I want to go a little bit deeper, that disrupting well-being is about brave conversations. It's saying the things people are afraid of saying. It's challenging the this notion of PR ver- PR well-being, and it's actually getting personal into individual stories as well. Like I'm always keen to kind of go like, why does this matter to you? Like, where has your mental health been affected? And of course, for you as a as a founder and somebody with massive ambition and investment, you know, we hear a lot about founder mental health mm-hmm. and how there can be a real um, kind of pressure that especially these young kids coming into entrepreneurship are really deeply affected by. Can you speak a little bit to your own mental health as a founder or or what you've seen as a business owner? Yeah, sure. Um, Look, I mean, it's tough and it's not pretty. Um, You know, I average 47 meetings a week. I'm a single parent with a kid. So I, you know, I, I, I need to look after my child. And amongst that, my phone doesn't stop ringing till... 10, 11 at night, even when I'm trying to do baby bath and bedtime, or she, she, everyone tells me she's not baby, but she's my baby. Um, of course, but, of course exactly. Um, but, but yeah, I think that, I think that there are moments where it feels difficult. Um, and I'm a great fan of mindset, but there are times where you're so exhausted, where you've done 14, Hours, 19 yeah. hour days, but it's not, do you know what the, I think the issue is with being a founder is it is non-stop. So I've done that for four years, as you know, because we've had lots of conversations. I haven't taken many holidays, in fact, two. Um, and that takes its impact. That takes its toll. You know, sometimes I, I think I was born with confidence, so I don't feel insecurity in that I'm not doing the right thing at the right time. Maybe that's a mission-driven founder. Maybe the mission, in answer to your question, I think that there's a there's a piece where, as we talked about, ambition and success, but then there's this and then there's this mission that kind of picks you up and drags you to continue doing what you're doing. But there are times where, you know, there are times where you it sit there and you're just time. like, please, can you just stop for just Make two minutes? Yeah, yeah, I want yeah. a cup of tea. Um, and you can't do that. Um, or very often you feel like you can't do that. And I think that the fundamental reason for that on mental health for me as a founder is responsibility. Um, I 
take a lot of responsibility. I have the responsibility of people's jobs. I have the responsibility to deliver the mission. I have the responsibility of being a parent, of being a daughter, of being a brother, a, a sister to my brother and my mm. sister. Um, and you don't have many places to ask for help because it's it's quite a lonely place. Um, you know, nobody, you, you don't go and down dump on somebody else if you're a CEO. Everybody comes to you. Like, you know, somebody can't handle their to-do list. Somebody yeah. else wants something else done. And I think that responsibility has an impact because you absorb it. And I think that, you know, and I'm not the best one at it, but I think making sure that you're aware of that responsibility you you know you you wear it it hurts um it's also the most pleasurable thing you know other than my kid on You've the planet chosen it as well, I've, cho- right? I've chosen yeah. it but but yeah I think that has an impact you know there are times where I, I once every six months I've told you once before I lie in the bath and I cry like a baby and I don't want to get out and I think why on earth am I doing this and I'd rather just you know do nothing and what have you but then but then it all takes over doesn't it that one so yeah yeah and it's it's mindset you know it, little things picking up and getting and doing the dishwasher for me an activity uh, changes mindset instantly and I think that comes from childhood um and um and and needing to do that to feed yourself clothe yourself and and do all of those things to survive and everyone's different and I, I once heard somebody describe like well-being as not just what am I doing today right because yes. that might be your 19 hour day but yeah. how do you zoom out on your quarter or your life right and go what are the pockets of time where I do get that recovery whatever that looks like for me it could just be changing um headspace right rather than like resting it could be traveling exploring like just nurturing our creativity because when we do that we bring that back into our businesses as well that resourced clear thinking kind of person i think everyone can can relate um uh we're kind of coming up to time i feel like we could be talking all day on on this topic absolutely um but two final questions like what are you excited about uh about the podcast uh moving forward and then i'd love to know if you see well-being kind of changing the world of work in the future like what are your forward projections about some of that sure so look in terms of the podcast I'm very excited because I know that we've got some really cool guests coming in um I also love hearing you speak um and as you know I don't listen to many podcasts but I'm going to listen to yours (laughs) so that's a good start um and I think that the podcast is important to me I wanted to do something something to bring the conversation but I also wanted it to be in perk style and Petra you you've probably the fact that you can have those braver conversations, the fact that you, in my opinion, you tell it like it is. Um, and also that you're happy to challenge the person opposite you on asking, asking questions that mean that you can't just answer with some kind of broad brush. PR I'll see right through it. Exactly. Right and through you're just, it. And yeah. that's the whole psychology thing. And you're in trouble as a guest, probably, from <laughs> having that. Um, we won't play this to anyone before they, no, before they no. Um And then in terms of the future of work, look, I, I think, um, well, what I wish for and what I think are probably two different things. And my job is to try and build the thing that I wish for. Um, you know, I think all of the things that we see every day, which is, you know, there are lots of stats of, you know, I think 35% increase, or or there was a survey where 35% of the respondents said that they have permanent workers asking to move to temporary, uh, more temporary contracts or contractual arrangements rather than full-term employees. So I think we're going to see the way in which workers are engaged by organisations change. I think that we are going to see 
far more global as a footprint. You know, we get more and more customers now that have just 200 people, but actually they're in 27 countries. I, I don't remember that happening 10, 20 years ago, or it was more of an anomaly, whereas I'm seeing that every day in the job that I do now, that there, you know, people can work from different places, from different hours and different things. And I think that changes the work-life balance and then that therefore changes work. And what I wish for, um, I love my job. Like I, I, you know, actually, whilst we've been on this podcast, we were talking about my parents. My dad walked in, um, which uh, and and walked straight back out this room, and because uh, I went, uh, and um, you know, I love the fact that my work is part of my life, and I enjoy my life, and I enjoy my work. And you know, if there was a wish for me professionally in that, it would be that I have the ability to democratize access to basic workplace wellness. That sounds not important. But for me, it is, you know, if I can get for four pounds, 50 doctors and counselors to people across the globe, then that's my job. And that's what I'm going to try and do. So that's my wish is that I I succeed in that mission and my team succeed in that mission. And I, I, I think that COVID has accelerated where our workplace will look in the next five and 10 years. I think it would have taken us a lot longer to get there. I love it. I am down. I'm with you. You are one of those amazing people that is being the change. You know, it sounds like a oh. cheesy statement, but you're you're showing up and you're doing it. You're taking the risks. You're having the conversations. You are disrupting well-being. Uh, thank you so much, Stella, for being the thank first you. ever guest on the Disrupting Wellbeing podcast. Uh, I'm so excited for the conversations coming up and what we can create. Thank you so much. Thank you, Petra. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. I hope you got loads of ideas on how you can be the change and disrupt well-being in your world and your workplace. If you want to hear any more about our guests or the resources we mentioned, check out our show notes. And of course, find your workplace benefits at perks.com and all your strategy or training needs at petrabelzebor.com. I'm so excited for future conversations. Please do join us for the next episode of Disrupting Wellbeing with massively interesting conversations and guests who will give you practical ideas to be the change you want to see in the world. See you next time.